This is Jesus Politics by Tony Franklin. Jesus Politics is a podcast that's devoted to looking at the teachings and values of Jesus Christ and applying them to our contemporary context today, especially in the realms of politics, community development, public relations, and leadership. Welcome to Jesus Politics. This is Tony Franklin, and I have a special guest with me today, Kentucky State Senator Max Wise, and um, he's going to be sharing with us a little bit about uh, where we see Jesus politics in the actual political arena uh, in here in Kentucky. So, Max, would you uh, introduce yourself a little bit? First of all, Tony, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to, to share a few words with you. Uh, I'm, my name is Max Wise. I'm the Kentucky State Senator for the 16th Senate District, uh, representing South Central Kentucky. That makes up the counties of Taylor, Adair, Russell, Cumberland, Clinton, Wayne, and McQuarrie counties. Uh, I just finished the first year of my second term. Uh, we serve four-year terms in the Kentucky State Senate, so just finished my fifth term of office. Uh, where I chair the uh, Senate Education Committee, uh, and I'm also a member of various other standing committees uh, in Frankfurt and the state capitol. Good. Thank you. And you also teach as well, don't you? That's correct. I'm, I'm a adjunct professor at the University of Kentucky's uh, Patterson School of Diplomacy and International Commerce. Uh, I teach graduate courses in uh, security studies, uh, intelligence, and terrorism studies. And uh, previously worked for the FBI uh, before I got into state politics. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a real blessing to be able to, to balance still the classroom life and then also the political life as well. All right. So it sounds like you're, you're very involved in a number of different levels of politics here and have been for a little while. Exactly. Yeah, I've always, uh, I've always been intrigued uh, by those that are, are in uh, public service. And uh, I've always been in leadership uh, roles throughout my entire life. And uh, uh, it's, it, it's great to be able to give back because I truly believe public service is a noble profession. Uh, and it's one of the, uh, the the most important ways that a person can give back is by doing service. Yes. What what led you uh, to take on this um, uh, senator role in particular? You know, a lot of it was just encouragement uh, by family members uh, and also those that have been uh, mentors of mine throughout the years. Uh, I'll never forget different individuals if they were former state representatives here in the uh, Camelsville Taylor County area, other professors that I had in school. Uh, that had always, uh, you know, had mentioned to me about one day getting into uh, public service and running for political office. I never wanted to do anything locally at a local level. I just felt like uh, nothing against those that do that, but that just wasn't uh, what I probably would have uh, liked to have done uh, was uh, something along the lines of a mayor or a county judge. But uh, I've always I've always served in different roles that I've played throughout my life. But um, there was an opportunity uh, when the state Senate seat became open due to redistricting. And uh, I thought that this may be the perfect timing because I truly believe timing, or excuse me, uh, politics and running for office is about timing and opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first thing I had to do was get the blessing from my family to be able to do that. Uh, we also prayed about it uh, to seek if this was the right pathway for me to go into. Uh, and I've really enjoyed it ever since I won that election. Uh, I've tried to, to do my best and, and to be in a job that, that can be quite demanding. Uh, it can pull you in different directions. Uh, and uh, to try to still have that sense of balance, once again, between 
home life, family life, and service life. It uh, it's very delicate, but somehow uh, my wife and and our children we found the ability to thread that needle you know quite well so far. Mm-hmm. I I know uh, among um, a lot of people when we think of government, uh, in in particular politicians, we don't always. Um, call that public service right. in the yep. same way that other people do. <laughs> but uh, from hearing a, a little bit of some of the stories that you've shared in the past and um, and just kind of taking more interest myself, uh, and, and I think in some ways as, as a pastor being a servant to a particular community, um, it, it really does become a public service. It really is. You know, I, I represent uh, my Senate district's about 115,000 people. And so, uh, you know, I'm there uh, to listen. I'm there uh, whenever needs arise. And uh, a lot of people probably think that my job is only when I'm in Frankfurt for the two to three months when we're in session, but it is truly a year-round job. Uh, there's not a day of the week that goes by that I don't get asked uh, a question, send an email, a text message uh, to help a constituent. If it's a Medicaid issue of someone not getting service they provided, uh, if it's an issue dealing with uh, the, the correction systems or healthcare, education, uh, there's always uh, issues out there. And, uh, you know, whenever I get that message, that phone call, it's my responsibility to call that person back and get in touch back with them in a timely manner because I am their voice in Frankfurt. Uh, just like uh, uh, others in your field, you're the voice, uh, you know, within the church, uh, you know, when speaking to God. And that's my job is to, to serve those people in this position. I and mean, it's not my position. I always tell people this, you know, I'm Occupy right now, a state Senate seat, but that's not mine. It's not an ownership. Uh, that is the people of this district's ownership. And so it's my job to be their voice uh, if it's representative democracy or if it's direct democracy in whatever role that I play. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Well, one of the, the questions that I'm very interested in um, and uh, focused a good deal in my book is this concept of grace that we have in the church and that we get from scripture and our long history and Christianity. Very important concept. Um, and the arguing kind of back and forth about what is the church's role in connection with government and lots of different opinions on yep. that and lots of different opinions through the history of our country on that. But if there's any kind of connection, uh, I think that grace needs to be there because of what uh, a core value that is uh, among Christians and, and not just a cheap grace of I got got by with something, mm-hmm. but that relationships restored to the way that they, they need to be. Yeah. Um, and, and so I'm always curious, uh, where do you see grace uh, in your, your political work? You know, there's a lot of different areas where I've seen grace work, uh, you know, between colleagues, uh, when we have to vote on certain bills uh, that someone may carry that bill, but uh, they may not have the entire support of our uh, members of our caucus. Um, I've always said that, you know, government has always been here and it will continue to be here. Uh, no one person's bill is more important than anyone else's. Uh, and so uh, a lot of times it's just being able to be, you know, patient and, and calm and not let emotions take over. Uh, if I've got something that I'm really passionate about is my bill and I take it to my leadership team and they're saying, you know, right now we just we either don't have the votes for that or it's not the right time for that. I have to look inwardly within myself and know. We can come back in the next 30 to 60 day session. You know, it's not just because right now this has to be done. 
so I've really learned from advice of other mentors when I got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of my good friends is Central David Givens from Greensburg. And you know, one of the first things Central Givens told me is, you know, just because you think your bill may be the most important bill, you know, the government's always been here and it's going to continue to be here. And so, uh, and, and even getting small wins, you know, in a bill. Uh, the, I've never seen a bill in its original form pass in the original form. You have to be open to changes. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's something within that bill that you need to uh, to work with other groups, uh, we work extremely closely with lobbyists. Uh, you know, if there's an interest there, um, and I'll use, for instance, last session I had the uh, school safety bill, which was Senate Bill 1, uh, which right now, as, as you all know and your audience knows, you know, we're in a time of where school safety is of utmost concern to parents, students, and faculty and staff across Kentucky and across the United States of, you know, knowing that I have a bill like that that's going to affect so many families and so many people, but changes have to happen within that bill. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if I'm looking to uh, to make it a bipartisan bill, I've got to be able to get the support of my colleagues from both sides of the aisle. And uh, I've always been open to change in terms of bills. And, and uh, sometimes I don't see that in some of our legislators. You know, it's like it's their bill or nothing else. And those have not always been the most successful stories. And so I think we need to listen and, and have grace to know that we, we, we must be open, you know, to be able to have that change that occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, 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 the biggest issues I saw one time uh, dealing with this is when we had to deal with the pension issue uh, with the teacher's pension. Um, I never ran for public office on a local level because I always felt like that's a job that you just cannot satisfy every single constituent. Roads need to be paved. Trash needs to be picked up. Swimming pool needs to be open. Everybody's always looking to to point blame. Um, I always felt like in Frankfurt, it's it's policy of trying to deal with educational policy or healthcare policy. And a lot of times you can avoid a lot of that local issues because most people, when I go to Frankfurt, 70, probably 70 percent of my constituent base don't know what bills are actually being voted on and passed. Mm-hmm. That's my job to be transparent, to communicate with them on here's what we're voting on. Here's where I stand on the issues. But on the teacher's uh, pension issue, that got as local as I've ever seen. Face, uh, social media in terms of Facebook, of uh, propaganda, misinformation that's out there. And it's very hard for one person like me to try and educate a mass number of people once a social media firestorm has been cast. Mm -hmm. But I really saw in terms of that restoring relationships between those that were greatly affected by pensions of of receiving that pension. And then once, you know, they, they saw where I was coming from in terms of why we're voting the way that I am, here's what actually is in the bill. Once, calmness can resolve itself and you're not acting on emotion. That was one of the best times I've ever seen grace happen. And I went through a really bad firestorm when having to vote on that particular bill. I remember it was the week of Holy Week and basically just being, you know, I I felt like I was just being a, a, a punching bag, just hit from both sides on these issues. But then once everything kind of calmed down, the number of people that had responded to me after making comments and not knowing what they were mad about, restoring that relationship with them, of them seeing, you know, well, now I understand it more. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times when we're having to do votes the way we do, it does get very fast paced because you have to pass a bill in a certain number of days. 
And it's not like you've got 365 days that you can sit and talk to that person. You may have just a matter of hours. And so uh, those are very difficult things, you know, to be a part of. But mm-hmm. I always tell people, you know, I have to vote many times my conscience. I have to vote in terms of what I think also is best for my district. And so uh, it, it can be a very difficult dilemma to find yourself in. Yeah. Well, and, and within your district, uh, growing up in Illinois, we, we had this a little bit, but I noticed it more so, and it may just be me being an outsider here in Kentucky, there are strong county lines. Yes. And there are very different cultures. And, and you Excellent. listed how, how many counties? Seven. Seven. Yes. And I know just yep. from the, the few that I'm familiar <laughs> with, very different cultures within those. And yet, just within your district, you're you're needing to kind of draw some people together and find some commonality. Yeah. And and what is that like? That's an excellent question. And uh, you you are you are exactly right. I mean, I don't have Marion County in my district, but I know there's a lot of difference between just Marion and Taylor County right yes. here. Between my, my wife 17- works in Marion <laughs> yes. County, and so yes, we live that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Within about a 17 mile stretch. Um, you, you know, uh, I do feel like in terms of all my seven counties, it's it's a very conservative district that I do that I do represent. Mm-hmm. Uh, voter registration probably makes it over 65 percent Republican in terms of the area that I have there. Uh, but even with that, you know, on different issues, you know, like the pension issue, um, you know, you don't want that to become so political. But at the same time, when I look at my counties, school districts make up a large number of the employers. And so those employees have families and those families are big. And uh, that can be very, very difficult in terms of just trying to balance, you know, the, the, the ideology of different ones. Um, but, but you're exactly correct. I mean, I've got uh, some counties uh, in my district that have private colleges, have a very healthy in, in economic environment, hospitals. And then I've got some where I probably have maybe two or three of the poorest counties in the state. Mm-hmm. One is one of the poorest counties in the United States. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's having to also, you know, uh, realize all these counties are, are different in their own aspect. And the decisions that I make may not be the most popular decisions, but I do have to listen and, and get feedback. You know, that's why I do open town hall meetings. Uh, I try to be transparent with questions on Facebook, mm-hmm. um, letters to the newspaper, you know, things like that to try and engage people. Because uh, I think many times we don't get upset at government or reach out to government until after something happens. Mm-hmm. And it always should be at that forefront before something of, of letting them know, here's what we're, here's what's being discussed. Please contribute. But we've also become a society anymore of where we, we, we don't take the time out to to educate ourselves on the issues and reach out to those elected officials that are going to be making those decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let, let me ask you about uh, one specific issue that has, has really affected this area and, and large parts of the country, and, that, and that's the drug epidemic. Oh, yes. Um, that, that I know you, you have a, yeah. a strong heart for. And, and I lift that up in the context of grace uh, because uh, one of our previous um, episodes talking with Shannon Lawson trying to come up with where do we see grace at work? And we talked about our first responders, police and fire and emergency folks that come into those situations, whether it's an overdose or right. someone has called, there's a, you know, whatever drug related incidents going on. Uh, you have a choice of kind of going and uh, we're just going to punish people exactly. and, you know, or we can, you know, go in and, and have mercy on everybody. And, and there's, there's not really a, uh, 
one right answer for every situation there. Yeah. But you're dealing with that from the policy standpoint, not from the first responder standpoint, where you're trying to figure out yep. <laughs> what what are the better answers that we can provide in that. Yep. And so, so how do you see um, grace and your faith and all that affecting that that drug issue that you're yeah. working on policy for? I, I do believe you hit the nail on the head. I do believe that is the number one epidemic that not only our county, my district, but the entire United States is facing. Every one of our, our, our issues that we have right now in Frankfurt goes back to the drug problems that we're seeing. Um, I think job participation is low in Kentucky. I think we have over 60% of Kentuckians refusing to go to work. I think a lot of that's because of the drug epidemic. Uh, we've now seen foster care through the roof. I think a lot of that gets back to the drug epidemic. Uh, we got people that can't pass a drug tests for economic, for job, once you get a job force. Uh, our prison population, it goes back to the drug epidemic. You know, we have so many issues and, and right now we're, we're, we're facing a time within the state where we don't have enough revenue producing because of all these other social ill wills that are happening. Um, and, and with the drug epidemic, you know, it, it is it we, we have as, as politicians, I think, for decades over promised people that we can solve all the problems and we cannot do that. Uh, I'm a big proponent of personal responsibility, uh, also for accountability. But at the same time, I'm one for second chances. Uh, I do believe with grace uh, that uh, people make mistakes and have made mistakes. And I've seen those that have came out of those mistakes and have been productive citizens. Uh, but this is an issue of where our, our court systems, our law enforcement, you're, you're exactly right. There's so many different ways to look at the issue. Uh, and for those that just, it completely is, I hear from so many in the court system of repeat offenders. It's a revolving door. They see the same ones in and out all the time. And um, that's where I, I, I struggle sometimes when we're passing bills of, um, you know, a needle exchange uh, program. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I voted for that because I felt like the problem is here. We're at a ground zero and within the, my Senate district and others uh, of that. Those are there are some people that are just going to continue to uh, to use drugs but we also have to look out for hepatitis, for AIDS, needle exchange, those things that are happening. So uh, on the needle exchange, I voted for that. I felt at the local level, if my county judges and the magistrates want to vote for needle exchange at the health departments, they should be able to do that. Uh, I got some blowback because of that, because some people thought I'm just feeding the habit by doing this. So it is a very fine balance right there of, uh, of knowing how to combat a problem like this. And uh, you, you have to put many times party politics aside and you have to look at what is the best for the Commonwealth, you know, and the rise of hepatitis and the, and the rise of AIDS and the sharing of needles is so worrisome. Uh, and so I think that's what ultimately got down to me is um, if this is going to happen, there needs to be some ability for those people to come and ask for help. Mm -hmm. And that's why I voted for that. And the same thing with our first responders, giving them the uh, uh, naloxone, giving them the ability, you know, to bring someone back to life. And, you know, that's, that's, I couldn't imagine being a first responder on the scene right now with what they're seeing. I mean, uh, uh, finding people in parking lots and, and uh, grocery stores outside. Uh, it's, it's becoming such a, uh, a prevalent issue. And so, we wanted to make sure that our first responders have the ability, if they're on the scene, to save that life of whatever it is, you know, that they can do so with.
But um, I, I do see the drug problem. Uh, it, it's everyone's problem. Uh, we, we can't, like I said, just depend on Frankfurt or state government to provide the solutions. Communities have to also step up and say, we have a problem. I think a lot of times we talk about that territory. Many people want to say, well, that's that county's problem. Mm -hmm. You know, it's over there. It doesn't happen here. It's everywhere. You know, we can't just take a blind eye to it. Uh, I think that's where the, the, the church community has done a good job in stepping up and realizing this, partnering with if it's a healing center or someplace for churches to be able to do ministry. Um, and so I, and then ultimately it gets down to families. You know, it gets down to family responsibility, educating our young people at an early age of the dangers of this, not just starting off with one particular drug and saying, well, this is never, this is, this is fine. We can do this one. But where we've seen that one tends to escalate into bigger and, and worser things. So mm -hmm. uh, I do think we all have to play a role with the the opioid epidemic, uh, heroin, fentanyl. I mean, it's, it's changing so much. And that's where when we legislate one issue, they immediately come around and it's something new. You know, mm -hmm. um, who would have ever thought people right now would be using elephant tranquilizers to shoot themselves up with? And it's that we're seeing that happen. So uh, it, it's always, you know, you as, as a as not just a legislator, as a parent, I'm also looking at my own children, just praying that one day they don't do something that gets them into a situation where it's it's very difficult to get that child back to how they were before. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I understand that. Personally, uh, we used to host a, a Narcotics Anonymous group here at the church a uh, few years back. And um, while I wasn't directly involved, supportive, I was always supportive of the idea just from the concept of my wife drives between here and Lebanon, yep. you know, most every day. And if I can keep people who are driving on the road with her sober exactly by hosting, you hosting know, them, yep. let's, let's do that. Yep. Uh, so there's a lot of personal benefits um, to being part of that solution at, at whatever aspect. I, I think that I've noticed, and you brought up the school safety, you know, being a, a new kind of hot button issue and focus. Um, and we've seen that in churches where we're wanting to get security officers and locked door, you know, all that kind of yep. stuff because of the shootings and things we've seen in the media. Right. But I think it has um, had an effect of drawing us inward helping us fortify our defenses yep. and we're going to let those people just be on their own for now. Um, and that's a, a small shift, right. uh, but a, I think a noticeable shift. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned partnering um, with communities. What do you see the, the role and need of the, the church in particular uh, in being involved with these issues? Cause as you said, it affects us, yes. it affects our churches and it definitely affects our families. Yes. Yeah. Um, what part of the solution can we play in that? Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things we have in, in, in Frankfurt, as well as many other states, is we have groups that are lobbyist groups that represent certain interests. So the Family Foundation, you know, is a group that's very uh, active in Frankfurt on issues dealing with social issues or uh, if, if it's expanded gambling, uh, if it is an opioid issue. A lot of issues that in my district are very uh, um, in terms of voter-centric issues. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, we look at what drives people to the polls. And a lot of it is kind of red meat issues, social wedge issues. Uh, but those issues are, are very prevalent. I mean, right now, the pro-life movement with abortion laws and things such as that, uh, that's where the churches, I think, 
uh, always, you know, I, I would encourage them for uh, if there's important bills coming up uh, that their members are aware of and need to be aware of that they, you know, I shouldn't say preach from the pulpit, but also encourage them to reach out to their legislators, you know, of, of saying these are the ones making the laws. You know, we need to be active. Uh, I love when I see church groups involved in prayer walks and right to life walks. Um, coming to the Capitol, you know, for a National Day of Prayer. You know, mm-hmm. we are doing those type of things. And I think as legislators, you know, we're even going out into our communities when uh, National Prayer Day breakfast is held, you know, to meet with those groups and update them on votes and, and political topics that are, uh, are are very much at the forefront of what we do. Uh, I think right now, you know, with what we're seeing across the southern states and all, every, elsewhere, abortion laws and, and issues such as that, where I know in my district, it is a very strong pro-life uh, district that I represent. I'm a very pro-life Christian. And so I know that that expectation of my district on those issues of where that I will stand on those issues. Um, but I think a lot of times uh, churches have such a huge role to play. Uh, ministerial associations within communities. Uh, I, I hear many times from um, from various members of a ministerial association of, uh, of issues that they have uh, of pressing concern with. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, here's what our congregation are talking about. And I, that's great for me to know uh, so that I'm not just caught up in a Frankfurt bubble and not hearing the comments happening back home. Mm-hmm. And, and I think uh, having been part of the ministerial association here, uh, we haven't had this a lot, but there's been times when people have come with political issues that connect in with faith. Yes. And uh, they come and they say, we want you to call your senator, call your representative, write letters, you know, kind of get this out. And, and I am certainly not opposed right. to talking with our uh, political uh, officials at any level. Um, but uh, I like you were saying with the, the drug epidemic, I, I believe in a kind of social personal responsibility in that. And, and I think that to a degree, uh, people who are leaders will lead wherever they're at, whether it's in a church, in exactly. a political arena, in a community group, you know, whatever. But um, but there there are points where action needs to be shared yeah. among different parties. And I think that it sometimes feels when we get the political arena involved, like playing hot potato. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly right. And nobody, and, and I think part of it is, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. We overpromise, yep. or or hope for just let's get this fixed today, yep. and it's not like that. Yeah, um, but it's I think it's hard, and I think it's becoming harder, maybe with social media yeah. and things like that, to figure out what's my piece, where's my handle exactly in this. I, I could not agree more, and I've always I've always felt just by being in Frankfurt, uh, I still see compromise can occur. I don't know at the national federal level if we've tipped the scale so far now that we can't get it back. Uh, I think, uh, you know, for many times when you get uh, in that Washington, D.C. culture, political culture, uh, it truly becomes party ideology, mm-hmm. rank and file of, of votes to know how they have to be a certain way. And it's just the nature of what that's become. Uh, I still see in Frankfurt that people can vote districts and not be forced in and pressured to vote a certain way because of party leadership or anything like that. Um, but, um, but, but you're exactly right. Uh, social media has probably changed 
politics more than anything uh, over the last 20 years. You know, when, when on, on the, the misinformation, you know, like I mentioned, that's out there. It's so hard once someone tweets something that may not be factual at all, but people look at it on social media and they take it for what it is. Them not having any basis whatsoever of, of knowing what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's, well, I read this. Where's your source? They don't have a source. I heard this. Where from? They don't have the source. But once that's out there, the bullets left the gun. And I'm having to put out fires across different groups and different spectrums of saying, here is the facts. Look at the facts. But once that's over here, we've become a society, I believe. It's who can bang the drum the loudest. Mm -hmm. Who has the most rhetoric out there? Are they going to follow that drum if it's going to take them over the cliff, you know, when everybody else over here is like, I know that's an, you know, uh, that, that may be a lie. Here's an inconvenient truth of what the situation really is. That's been one of the hardest parts of my job. Yeah. Uh, and I think legislators that have been in the Senate and the House 30 plus years would tell you the same. You know, yeah. it used to be newspaper coverage and everyone would just read the newspaper and everyone. That was it. Uh, they did not have. Uh, a social group that they could be a part of a chat room with. Now, they probably would have met at McDonald's and had coffee and talked about it within their group. But now it's completely changed the dynamics of it. And and, uh, I don't know if that's healthy for democracy and healthy for dialogue of let's just bang the drum and not find compromise. Yeah. That's, that's, that's troubling. Well, and, and I've fallen victim to this myself. It was just a few weeks ago on my Facebook feed. There was this little article that popped up uh, and I didn't read it. Even in the, in the title, at the very top, it said satire. Yeah. But it said something about <laughs> Norway had passed a law and it was, you know, u- unanimous yeah. through the house that they were no longer letting people from Kentucky and Alabama and Missouri, people that passed these pro-life Life laws mm-hmm. into their country anymore. And then yeah. there was something in there about global warming yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here thinking, who's wanting to move to Norway in the yeah. first place, you know? <laughs> and then I thought, I need to share this with some of my friends because this is just the world going crazy. And then after it was only, thankfully, before I shared it, but... Uh, before uh, I was reading a little deeper and I realized it was just made up. Yeah. I mean, completely made up. And that this is really kind of on the level now. Everyday people is, is the war of the worlds. When that radio show went through, exactly. people thought the world was ending and didn't know any better. And, yeah. and that's just become a part of our daily life. It is. It is. And, you know, I, I find it the, one of the most difficult parts of my job is trying to make my family not get into the social media drama. Um, you know, as, as I mentioned, every vote that I take, it's going to divide. Right? That's just how I, even, mm-hmm. if, even if a bill passes 138 to nothing with no opposition, there's still somebody that that bill will not like. It's just the, the way it is. So I've had to really educate my family. I've got four children. The oldest will be 16 this month. Uh, the other three are, are younger, but they still see on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, whatever comments that are made. But I have to make sure that they're protected enough to know that this is my job. It comes with the territory. You know, uh, probably uh, any any politician would tell you this. The one who takes the job the worst and the toughest is the spouse. They, they're the ones that truly, you know, uh, we get in it knowing what's going to be 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the repercussions of serving in office. Um, and it's always the spouse who I believe has the toughest time with positions such as I'm in. Uh, just knowing that, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's, um, it can be, it's easily deflected off me, but they're the ones that receive the, the sometimes the worst part of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I hope that we get to that point of our society of where, you know, social media and things such as that, we can just sometimes deplug, you know, from those things and, uh, you know, just kind of get back to, you know, simpler ways, but I don't know if that can ever happen or not. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you talked uh, at several points about education mm-hmm. and that challenge that you have uh, educating the people in, in right. your district. Um, how, how can the church come along and partner with you in that? Because again, part of why I, I wrote that book, the, the big question that kind of deals with is, What's the relationship between church and government mm-hmm. and where did Jesus fall in that when he dealt with church yep. and government yep. uh, in his days? Um, and it, it, that being a challenging point, that's never not going to be challenging. Right. But um, but I think I mean, we've got very clearly uh, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter in Scripture and arguably Jesus. You could probably get around to there mm-hmm. saying that you need to pray for your leaders, yep. even if they're not Christian. Exactly. Uh, but because... God has allowed them to get there to this point. They do have a responsibility over you. Um, you're mentioning not even just the leaders, but the yeah. families mm-hmm. that are, are there with them. Um, and so we we do share that, I think, um, as the church across the board, when it pleases us, yeah. uh, that, hey, we need to remember to pray for these people. But, but this process of educating, and it, even if it's just in-house uh, within mm-hmm. churches, um, how would you say we can talk about politics better? Because yeah. we do. Yeah, yeah, and, and and you know, it's just like from my time uh, teaching as a college professor, um, you know, of, of educating young people on here are the issues, and let's have an open dialogue on these issues. You know, uh, I love the opportunity I've seen some people have within uh, church communities of having a coffee with their. A legislator, you know, if it's open to the church, almost like it's a Bible school uh, morning or something like that. Maybe it's not a Sunday with the whole congregation having that legislator speak to everyone, but offer the opportunity. Invite that legislator in to a church hall and say, hey, how about coffee and donuts with Senator Wise mm-hmm. or Representative Carney or whoever it may be? I think you'd be surprised the amount of legislators that would be open to that. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had many opportunities, you know, to speak to various groups. And um, I think a lot of the times it's just the, you know, the, the churches. Yeah, you're, you're right. Every Sunday there could be a sermon on some type of political topic, immigration, starvation, issues of socialism, whatever it may be. But I think inviting that legislator in, not maybe a formality of a, a Sunday morning we're going to have the pastor talk, and now let's bring up our legislator to do a pro-con, you know. But just to open it up and to bring them in, and let's just have a dialogue. I think we could walk away from that that as a legislator within the church community of saying, well, we are pretty much on solid you know, ground with what we're wanting to, to discuss. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you. Uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Today? You know, um, I, I still believe, and people ask me all the time, they say, why do you do this? You know, what what makes you want to be in office and serve people? Because as I mentioned, a lot of times we can look at the, the doom and gloom of it's we're us versus them society and those type of things. Uh, I love what I do. 
I, I truly do. And I've always felt like if you wake up every morning, you don't like your job, then you need to find something else that you're either good at or you would be uh, in a better mood. I love serving. I, I do. It, it is, uh, it, it's made me get a lot of gray hair and a lot of loose hair, but I, I love serving people. I, I, I've always felt that this is public service, uh, that we have to make the commitment, you know, to go into service of, of this type of job, knowing that we, we can't solve everyone's problems, but you have to make the best attempt at listening to everyone who's out there, you know. Uh, and I think many times I've seen, in, in terms of grace too, if, if, if I have a constituent who is very vocal on something that I do not agree with and I'm not going to vote for, if you can explain the reason why you voted the way that you did, people appreciate that. They may not agree with you, but if you're able to reason with them and say, well, here's why I voted this way, you will come away from that feeling better about yourself. And I, for the most part, every, every situation I've had where I've met with someone we didn't agree upon, but after the vote or even before a vote was taken, to sit down and discuss and share, here's my reasoning, they will come away with that of a better appreciation. Uh, and I, I've always felt that way. I know uh, I want to leave my job one day from doing this to still be committed of, of integrity, strong values, listening to people, and representing the district the best way that I possibly can. Uh, you can't take the job personal. You know, as I mentioned with having a bill, if you have to make changes to the bill, you need to be open to that. You know, you can't put up a wall on a barrier saying, nope, no change. You're not going to be effective in doing this type of job. Mm -hmm. so. But I appreciate the opportunity today to talk to you about this, uh, these different topics. And I look forward to reading, reading Jesus Politics. Give me something good here because I'll be in Frankfurt uh, for a few days next week. And so maybe some downtime, I can knock it out. Good. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for joining us today. You're Max. very welcome. We, we very much appreciate it. Thank that. you so much, Tony. You can read more about Jesus politics in my book called Jesus Politics, The Four Gospels and Politics by Tony Franklin, sold at Amazon.com or on my blog at RevTonyFranklin.com. Thank you for listening.